0: One, two, three, three Welcome to Daring to Suck. I'm your host, Grace Askew, a veteran musician, songwriter, recording artist, and road dog who has been living and breathing my craft for over 15 years. Each episode will dive deep into what it truly looks like to be a working artist. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Come roll along with me, Tumbleweeds. All right, y'all, well, welcome to episode seven of Daring to Suck. We're still in season one where we are exploring the artist's journey, everything that these veteran working artists did to get to where they are today, the ups and the downs, the messiness in between, just the real story behind um, you know, all these true artists. And that is uh, an absolute perfect way to describe Muck Sticky, my guest this week. He is uh, a renaissance man is the way I would see it. You're an actor, a singer, a songwriter, a filmmaker, uh, you do it all. And um, I'm just so excited to jump into just who the hell are you? You know what I mean? <laughs> I well, was reading your Wikipedia I'm very of
1: you to say, yeah, it's an no, honor I mean coming from, I've been such a fan of you for such a long time, you know, and I know we've known each other somewhat over the years, you know, but I'll never forget uh, being at the Delta fair one year and you were playing a stage over there.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, I, uh, I came and stood and watched you for a while and you played some Tom Waits for me. Yes. And uh, I thought you were. So before So before this is over, I'm going to play some Tom Waits for you.
0: Oh, hell yeah. I love it. You'll be our first guest to ever play a song on the show. <laughs> that's oh, awesome.
1: okay. I mean, is it okay? I didn't oh, no, mean, no, no. I'm like, maybe that's not amazing. Your format,
0: but... No, that's amazing, actually. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm totally, that's so cool. Okay, cool. right on. Well, I um I was so fascinated by... I've read your Wikipedia kind of bio um, just to dig a little bit. And you come from a heritage of musicians um, from way on back to, was it your grandfather that was in the the group, the singing group? Uh, well, my, uh,
1: my great grandparents founded one of the first gospel touring right. bluegrass quartets called the Wayfaring Singers. They toured from like, I think it was like 1937 to 1969 or something like that. Maybe wow. 27 even I, I can't remember the exact dates but they were like uh they were from the Ozarks and so they formed this group and they gained a lot of notoriety singing you know gospel songs hymns traveling to churches and things and uh but my grandfather that was on my father's side and my grandfather on my mother's side was a son studio musician uh Gene Lowry of the Dixie Four and you know he sang Back Up for Elvis and Johnny Cash and Jerry Lee and Charlie Rich and all those guys. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of music in the blood, especially Memphis music. You know, uh, no. or just the region, even. So, uh, I'm blessed. Did I didn't up? get to know him, but yeah.
0: Me? Did you grow up with music in the home and and like where your your own parents musical? Would you say?
1: uh Absolutely. My 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 father was a a guitar player he played in various uh local rock bands he played with the guy who owned yarborough's music store uh, oh. and uh my mom sang a lot we went to church we were i was raised southern baptist so we sang a lot in church of course nice um but i didn't really get into my own music until l- much later on like when i got into my later years of college. Uh yeah. I say later years because I started pretty early at college, but um I think I was about 19 before I really started picking up music on my own, saying, Hey, I want to do something.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that aha moment that um you kind of realized you wanted to pursue music?
1: Um, well, I was uh I was sitting around at my best friend Dennis Clemmer's house, rest in peace. Uh yeah and we were, I was just picking my acoustic guitar one day, and, uh, you know, I was like, wouldn't it be funny if, and I'd been in, like, a rock and roll band for about six months before that, but we just covered, like, heavy rock songs, corn and stuff like that. Uh, It wasn't really, like, I wasn't feeling it, you know, because I'm not really a super angry person, (laughs) and uh, so uh, I was sitting around picking my guitar one day, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if somebody took, like, uh a john denver sounding acoustic song and sang it like that but put like you know gangster rap lyrics in it you know what i mean like homie don't play that shit and stuff like that so yeah uh and uh so i was sitting around and i started making up this song and it was just like oh my gosh this is hilarious my buddy was laughing his ass off and i was like you know this is what i'm supposed to do i, I have I can do this. I I feel really strong about my ability. Just in that moment, I knew that I was going to be able to write humorous stuff for sure. Uh, the inspirational stuff kind of developed over time, but uh, you know, uh, I just knew I wanted to make myself laugh. Yeah. And I made my friend laugh and I knew that that could be something. And so I got in my car and I was driving home to, uh, from his house. And I could take you to the road and maybe even the, almost the spot on the street where I was driving, listening to a tape of, uh, uh it was Dr. Dre's The Chronic 2001 and Snoop Doggy Dog said some of that real sticky, icky, icky. And I had been thinking to myself, what, what am I going to call myself? And Beck is one of my favorite artists of all mm-hmm. time, probably my favorite artist of all time. And so I was, just thinking, and I was also a big fan of Steve Irwin, the Crocodile Hunter. And so, rest in peace. And uh, so, I, uh, I was like, I should, He said the word muck a whole lot when on his show. He's like, Oh, we're out here mucking around in the bush, you know. And yeah. I was, I love that word. Maybe I'll just be a one named artist called Muck. Mm. And then I heard that word. He said sticky icky icky, and I was like, Oh, wait a minute, no. There's a last name there, and uh, and that was that moment. You asked for that aha moment, so that was the moment. It was on Alchuria Road over in Bartlett, Tennessee. Um, I wow. tell, like I said, I was in my '94 Silver Thunderbird with tinted windows, playing a tape.
0: I love it. I love that you know the exact place that you were. Like most people don't know, don't remember this kind of thing to the exact detail. But there is certainly this string of like there's like a theme with you there's certainly playfulness to your music and this completely unique eccentricity to your style um is that kind of nature versus nurture like did your parents did you grow up in kind of an eccentric home or is that your just your personality um
1: well you know nobody's ever really asked me that i guess uh the uh my mom was definitely a un- uh, a unique individual. She graduated from the Memphis College of Art. Oh, really? Uh, w- w- with a bachelor's in fine arts. And she, she was a painter. She paints. She still paints. You know, uh, my home is covered in paintings of hers. She awesome. sold them and sell- still sells them. But um, my dad was a construction worker, but he played guitar in a band that was trying to make it. But they never really made it. You know yeah. what I mean? So he was by definition a construction worker during the day you know what i mean and so um i guess part of it may have come from um wanting to uh sort of continue in that music thing but also not be something that was uh just like everybody else right you, know, you gotta yeah i always heard about finding your own voice yes. you know and i was a big fan of very unique artists growing up from you know like i said back to uh jim morrison marilyn manson david bowie lots of prince was a huge influence tom petty and so uh you know i um eh. It kind of came through nature, I guess, because of the things that I was exposed to and the music that I was into and the yeah. artists that I guess were your archetypes. Steve, uh Steven Tyler was a big archetype, you know, yeah. I, I got to tour with um, before I really I mean, I, I'd started making muck sticky music and I'd been playing in shows for about a year and a half or so. And then I got uh, invited to go out on tour with Saliva, the rock band from the nice um did really well and this was in 2002 that when they were in their peak and uh i uh i we got to do the kiss aerosmith tour like 70 dates on that i got to see just about every band i i liked in some form or fashion where we played a festival with them or something and so i got to study a lot of people as i was sort of still developing my own artistry Mm -hmm. and uh and it all just is like a culmination of all the stuff. So, I mean, it could be nurture too, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess.
0: Yeah, uh, I couldn't, I mean, cause I, I feel like just coming from my side of things, I, I liked the artists that were really unique, like you like you did, um, because they stood for something that was rebellious, that it was like something that wasn't with the flow of the pop music that was popular in my, right. in my childhood. And I never feel like I fit in growing up. I was definitely like a loner, kind of weirdo in my class. I mean, did you ever kind of have that growing up in, in middle school and high school? Like,
1: oh girl, let me tell you, I was homeschooled, right? Okay. And,
0: <laughs> <go>. um,
1: so <laughs> even in like the classes where the uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying. To, I may have. Are I'm you gonna, fine? My camera. Um, even in the classes where. Uh, it was a bunch of other homeschoolers. I was still like the oddball outcast guy, you know what I'm saying? So not only are you oddball for being a homeschooler amongst all your regular peers who <laughs> go to regular school, but then, you know, I, I wore colorful shoes. I didn't dress like anybody else. Yeah. I was still very, just a, a, a sort of a weirdo. <laughs> and I I have my own way in the world. I, ch- I, I chase butterflies when I was a kid, you know, I just did, I didn't do normal stuff. I was always into nature and music. I was really into music always. It seemed And uh, uh, but I definitely know about feeling like an outcast and, yeah. uh, being made fun of a lot. I was bullied a whole lot. In fact, that's yeah. the main premise behind our movie. Uh, dig that Zebo Newton is, Love it uh, yeah. being, being bullied. I don't know if you saw it, but, yeah. um, yeah
0: amazon prime
1: yeah it's on amazon prime free oh, uh, yeah. but uh you know i was i was picked on hardcore and made to feel like because of my difference that yeah. i wasn't a valid person you know what i'm saying and uh so it screwed with my head for a long time and uh, led me to in my, especially my early teenage years. And even in my later teenage years, I didn't have a whole lot of friends. I had like two or three friends at the most, you know? And, um, so, uh, I guess muck sticky kind of, uh, and, and I, I have come to learn this through self observation, you know, uh, which I think is really important for any artists to grow and develop, uh, is to continually observe yourself, you know, mm. and, and uh but I've learned that Muck sticky was developed out of that desire to be accepted yeah. by all of the popular kids in school and uh the cool folks you know that did drugs and partied and were rock yeah. and roll you know what I'm saying and out here I was this little nerdy kid that was you know Made fun of and picked on and didn't feel it wasn't cool at all. And so, um, yeah, I sort of like you know transitioned into who I felt like I should, have, uh, I, I could be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I didn't, and, and at the same time, re- retain my own sense of uniqueness. That's why they have nurtured that ex- eccentric
0: uh, yeah.
1: aspect to my artistry, you know.
0: It's so empowering. I feel like that, that capability that every, most artists do this is like, they invent themselves. You know, I wasn't born and you weren't born like you weren't born muck sticky. I wasn't born the grace to ask you that people see on stage. You know what I mean? We all invent ourselves. And I think that uh, I totally relate to your story of like not fitting in. so in order to feel empowered somewhere in my life, I had to create this artist's journey, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I love that you get that. And, um, you know, it seems like your journey is like mine is another, it's a solo journey. Like you, you tend to be this, um, like on stage, you built your own band is what I read. Yeah. I mean, I love that.
1: Yeah. I, uh, my first show, in fact, uh, this January 12th is the 20th anniversary of my first show ever wow. that the high point pinch dingo battle of the bands, 2001. And, uh, I came in second place that night because I'd, uh, you know, I made all my own music, but my only way of playing it all at the same time was to play to a track, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this is like before rap music really like took hold and it was, okay. became okay to sing along to a track, you know? Uh, gotcha. It still wasn't cool to sing along to a track, especially in Memphis. Cause you're like, you know, we got a bunch of city full of real musicians out here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and,
1: you know their whole lives trying to learn how to play and here you are you know if they're singing along to a track and i took these like floor lamps you know and would rig up guitars and i had a kid's toy drum set you know that i i, I set behind me you know and like so i created my own little stick figure band that's so cool know. at least i you know i was trying to you know go to that uh, extent. uh and then I came back two weeks later uh, for the finals. And um, uh, Pat Mitchell—I don't know if you know Pat Mitchell—but yeah. uh, she disqualified me because she said I wasn't a real band. Gave me all <laughs> all the way across the board.
0: What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, I totally okay. it. it's so funny. I, I did the same. I did a battle of the bands with tracks behind me too. And I—I I obviously, I mean, I didn't win, but I, I love how like gutsy your whole journey has been. Just from what I've I've researched and. And just how you just stuck to your own and you've done your own thing the whole way through. And um, it's just it goes to show how um, being yourself and being authentic like you have been, it it can lead you to great success. Um, And I'd love for you to talk about your experience with the MTV show.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. Um, Well, you know, I guess it was about 2006, maybe that uh craig brewer came to a you know i i only wear pajama pants i'm sure you know that but yeah uh, your audience may not and uh i've only worn pajama pants every single day since july 2nd 2002 wow uh, hey siri how many days has it been since july 2nd 2002
0: it was 6760 days ago.
1: 6760 consecutive days <laughs> I've been wearing pajamas. That's it's a world record. <laughs> Guinness can't officiate it because they'd have had to spend those days with me every single day yeah. where their officials would have but um they've they've acknowledged that I hold the world record. So uh, <laughs> but anyhow, I was having a pajama party, which is what we call a lot of our concerts. So oh, that's dude, so cool. And um i um i got a a call from my guy at the front door and he's like hey the guy who made that hustle and flow movie is out here and he wants to talk to you i'm like okay yeah sure send him on back so craig comes back and he's like hey man uh i want to come introduce myself i've been a huge fan of you for many years now and i always loved your stuff and uh i just wanted to kind of get to know you and he started telling me about this project that he had in mind and back then he was calling it the Bluff City Chronicles. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, he was like, it's about uh, a whole bunch of Memphis artists and how their lives intertwine. And, uh, it, you know, it, it was spawned on the, when we had the, uh, with the Hurricane Elvis, remember when that happened? The yeah. high winds and knocked out power for weeks on end in Midtown and uh, all across the city. And, so he kind of like, I guess used that how everybody was kind of like interacting with each other to help each other. Mm. Um, and, uh, he said, I, I've, I've got this thing and I want you to be a part of it. You're going to play yourself. And I was like, okay, that's cool. And we continued to meet and hang out and become friends over the next couple of years. And that thing was still just on the back burner on the back burner. And then like 2009, he was like, Hey man, we're doing this it's MTV's picked it up. We're going to, you know, film it. It's going to be a web series. And, uh, you know, you're just going to be you, it's going to be semi-scripted, but you know, we're going to try to feature, uh, like music videos, sort of in every, or musical performances in every episode of it, you know? And, uh, and he said, uh, uh, and but I want you to just like be true to your character, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, around about that time, he had asked me, you know, like, well, if you could make a movie about yourself, you know, who would you be? Would you be this guy that I'm talking to right now, or would you be the muck sticky guy up here? Hey, I'm muck sticky, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh and, I've come to understand through those things that uh, it's all me. You know what I mean? Uh, Every aspect is just a different facet of who I am. Uh, But it got me to thinking when he asked me that question, I didn't know he was thinking about it for how I'm going to be in $5 cover. But uh, he was more like, it got me to thinking about, oh, well, if I were to make a movie about myself, what kind of character would I be? So I started writing a movie. I like, spent good solid two years like hardcore working on this script and then i kind of tapered off over time uh uh the five dollar cup this was i guess about 2007 when he asked me that question so five dollar cover happened uh it 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 went so well it did turned out so well that mtv decided to give it an actual nightly slot we were on fridays at 10 o'clock but uh it was right at the same time they released the Jersey shore. I mean, like oh. debuted that same time. Right. And so MTV just pushed all their resource into Jersey shore, gave us, you know, some good promotion. I remember waking up one night in the middle of the night. Um, and I usually kept my TV on MTV. This is back when they still played music videos. Right. And I know there's still channels where they play music videos, but whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, I remember waking up and that Eminem's you better lose yourself in the music the moment that yeah. it was right around the time eight mile was out. Yeah. And uh, that video played. And the next video was the icky muck, one of the videos from $5 cover. So it was pretty wow. cool seeing that in rotation. Yeah. You know, I got messages from all around the world, people saying, you know, uh, we love your music here in Argentina found, you know, saw you on MTV or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, and then some stuff I couldn't, I had to get a translator to read, but.
0: Uh. <laughs> had you been staying super active, like off, you know, when you weren't doing $5 cover, were you touring and, and what had led you, um, to that point, you think? Um, I, I guess, uh, leading up until it, I had been
1: doing quite a bit of touring. I, uh, I got really burnt out on the road it's back when I was with saliva because <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'd be out for months on end, you know, and you know yeah. how it is, you know, being out for a long period of time, even a couple of weeks, you're like, man, I'm ready to go back home and just lay in my bed for a minute. You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, so I got really burned. And mm-hmm. so I started doing more sporadic touring, you know, Mm -hmm. uh and then uh when five dollar cover happened it got the demand got pretty big again to tour so we started picking back up quite a bit uh
0: did you have an agent at that time or a booking agent or anything or a manager
1: no i uh you know but at the time i got introduced to a lady at through craig at william morris agency Nice, went up there was like, hey, yeah, love you. We're gonna start booking you. I'm gonna get you acting gigs and all kinds of stuff. And it was on a Tuesday. And the following Tuesday, they announced their merge with Endeavor Agency and my agent got cut. They cut a bunch of their William Morris agents. My agent got cut. And so I never got back in at William Morris. So Mm -hmm. I returned back to continuing to book myself. And I've had a couple of uh promoters that have booked strings of tours for me you know what yeah. I mean like I'll reach out to them but at the end of the day we handle everything in house never had a uh, a manager or an agent or a label or a publicist or anything it's all been totally in house I've hired a few of those kinds of people mm-hmm. but they didn't ever follow through with what they promised they would follow through you know there's a lot of smoke that. and mirrors <laughs>
0: I love that you stay mostly independent, though. I I just really admire that. I'm a total, um, I I believe in the gospel of like independence. You know what I mean? Um, I think it's just way less necessary to have a record label these days with the powerful, you know, social media presence that we can have connecting directly to our our niche, you know, our like loyal tribe of people who get the soul of what we're doing. I'm sure I mean I've had moments in my career already where I want to quit. Have you had moments where you're like, I am I'm fed up? And if so, yeah, what I, kept you going? I,
1: I announced it in uh October or September of last year. Really? 2019. Not not 2020 of 2019. I say last year no twenty twenty one. But you yeah, I announced know. it said I was gonna be releasing my last record and the response was just So overwhelming.
0: Hey, I hope y'all are enjoying the episode so far. Really quick before we continue... I see these episodes as a form of priceless mentorship, and that's something I always wished I had in my own journey. If you also feel you are getting something of value from these conversations from veteran working artists, there is a way to support the show and keep it going. For just $3 a month, you can become a personal patron to the podcast by joining over at patreon.com slash graceaskyou. Or if you'd like to be a one-time supporter, you can name your price and throw in what you like to the virtual tip jar at paypal.me slash graceaskyou. Either way, your listenership means so much to me. All right, let's get back to the show. From, I mean, like
1: people coming from everywhere begging me not to quit. I love it. Like, uh just like relaying stories of inspiration and how my music had touched their lives or had, had, they were on the verge of suicide and they popped, you know, had a shotgun loaded and a blunt in one hand and they popped on a muck sticky music video. And before they knew it, it was four hours later and they were in a much better mood. Didn't kill themselves. Now they've got a great job and a family and blah, blah, blah. And Had it not been for that pivotal pivotal moment, who knows? Right. So those kinds of things along the way, uh, have reignited my and re, reaffirmed my mission, you know, mm-hmm. because I think what makes us want to quit and it was something you touched on a minute ago. And I was going to say, you know, I'm fiercely independent. I, I love having that mentality, you know, because that lets you know, you'll always be okay. Yes. You'll always rely on you at the end of the day to get shit done. Yes. And uh but that being said and what you also said about finding your your tribe, mm-hmm. your 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 audience. Yeah. That's great. You do find your audience, but just from what I know about the world and scale and things like that, your audience is much bigger than the audience you found.
0: Yeah. The
1: ones out there that need to hear you just haven't heard of you yet. That's true. Because you're not, social media is great for getting it out there, but it doesn't get it out there like, um, our, (laughs) our corporate, uh, and I read your posts earlier, uh, the whole thing about the quote from
0: the guy. That you would uh, love that quote. book, Seth Godin, The Practice. It's his new book. Oh my god. Yeah. I need I, I need to read it. Uh oh good. You know,
1: so it it's one of I think our urge to quit is usually, and that's just me being honest from my place, is um because of my desire to know what music has done for me
0: yeah.
1: and what I know my music has done for other people because they've told me, uh, that it could do more for people. If I had the same resource mm-hmm. that the, uh, the labels and even independent, large independent labels yeah. have to uh, properly promote. Now, distribution is yeah. one thing. Anybody can distribute music, but promotion, yeah. a lot of artists don't realize that promotion is everything. like yeah, big part of the game, man. It's not everything, but it's a big part of it because you can promote something that really, really sucks. Yeah, And if it really sucks, it probably ain't going to do really, really well. Yeah. But at the same time you can have something that's the most amazing thing in the world and if it doesn't get properly promoted nobody right. hears about
0: it. Well, I hear I hear what you're saying cuz I feel like I get I want to quit when I feel that exact same way. When I feel like I'm not being heard by the gatekeepers of the industry, I'm being ignored and not properly um legitimized, you know, in the way that I would want to be legitimized. Um but then I I have to like reel it in and realize that the one thing that is in my control and it's always the next best step is creating. That is always in my control. It is always in my control. The practice and the process is all we have. And it's the most powerful thing that we have, you know? So, um, and you get that because you have cut like 18 plus, probably more albums since 2004, I think is what I read on your Wikipedia. Like it's insane how prolific you are. Um, I would love for you to talk through your creative process. Like how Uh, do you stay so prolific?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, like I said, uh, I will say, you know, I, I mentioned that I was in a rock band for a while and we did a lot of heavy metal stuff. And while at that time i wasn't really a super angry person in and this is i'm talking like i was probably like 22 23 right then you know so uh years before in like my late teen years i'd say you know around 17 18 19 um in all honesty when i started um dabbling in hallucin- hallucinogenics you know psychedelics yeah um that sort of brings out all of everything that you've ever accumulated, you know, if you, if you know anything about it. And, uh, so, and in the, in the world at that time, there was a lot of dark music. This was, you know, uh, m- date myself here, but you know, it's early nine, m- mid nineties, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, uh, we were, a lot of people were starting to get afraid of the turn of the millennium, you know, I mean, like Y2K was starting to really, you know, I mean, it wasn't a yeah. thing yet, people were afraid, you know, I when I grew up in the year 2000, sky was going to open up, Jesus was going to come back, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> we're all going to be the the rapture, you know what I'm saying, we're all being carted up into the clouds, you know what I mean, so uh, a lot of people truly believed and lived that way, some people still do, mm. and uh so um my creative process um i guess stemmed from um when i'm in when i'm feeling pain you know or worry or anxiety or negativity about the world uh when we learn about death especially uh it puts a lot of fear in us you know i think Mm -hmm. a lot of times when we're young we don't have that sense of death you know until somebody really close to us dies you know yeah we just sound like life is forever because our spirits are forever you know but the the worldly conditioning that we get caught up in uh through our experiences here in this realm uh can often lead us to live with in a constant state of fear you know um one of my favorite movies is apocalypto i don't know if you know that movie it's mel gibson directed movie about the the mayan civilization Mm. and the demise um and it's about a tribe in in the middle of the jungle and it's all in subtitles but um this, this tribe uh we're giving away too much of the movie. Uh, a father and a son are walking back into a village with a couple of the other village guys after being on a hunt. And they had seen a whole tribe of people making their way through their land. And those people said, our lands were ravaged, uh, where we seek a new beginning. Uh And, uh, so coming back into the village, the father says to the son, he says, um, what did you see on those people? And the son says fear. And he says, yes. And he said, I I can see it has tainted your peace already said, uh, fear will creep in. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but fear will creep into the heart of any man who engages it. It is, it is a disease. It is a sickness. Mm. And if you allow it to come into your life, it can destroy you. And so, uh, He says, do not bring that fear into our village, my son. And so um, when I start to feel afraid, and this is all leading back to the creative process, when I start to feel afraid or worried or anxious uh, or depressed, uh, I create. And when I was young, and even still, most often, I won't say that I discredit it whatsoever, but especially when I was young, the things that lifted me up when I was down Mm
0: -hmm.
1: was comedy. It's comedy. It makes you laugh. It's that's what it's. It's why it's comedy because it, it's a happier thing. You know, you laugh, Mm -hmm. you feel better. And so I decided to write things that made me laugh that made my buddies laugh and then started making other people laugh. And it was like, Hey, yeah, this may be a little bit coarse and vulgar, but it brings people happiness, mm-hmm. you know, however you gotta, this world really sucks. The fear of death really sucks. Nobody wants to die. We all want to be here forever because this is pretty awesome place. Yeah. You know, not everybody does, but most people don't want to leave. Mm-hmm. And uh so while we're here, we have to come to terms with that, that we are going to leave. But while we're here, how can we spend our time?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And my philosophy has been since, and I lost my good friend, Dennis, who I was at his house. I lost him to mul- complications from multiple sclerosis about a year and a half after I'd first started writing these songs. Uh And, uh, so his death was very impactful for me. In fact, July second, two thousand two, is the day after his funeral, because I wore slacks to his funeral, and I was a pallbearer, and the the seams on the pants started ripping at the at, they started ripping at the seams. Mm. It was just like a weird day. By the end of it, the the pants were in tattered form, and I was like, it, I took it as him telling me, "Hey, man, this life's too short to to be." making yourself express yourself according to what's going to please other people or be okay in their perspective. You know, you need to be comfortable in who you are Mm -hmm. and wear what you feel you want to wear, not what impresses other people. Yeah. And so that's how the pajama pants thing was born. But the creative process comes from when I'm feeling those feelings of fear or worry. I'm I do something to make myself laugh most often, or I do something that, a lot of people think I'm talking to them when I'm singing "Live Your Life, Live Your Life, Live Your Life" one day at a time. But I'm really writing that to myself. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm writing most all of my songs to myself. Yeah. You know, to remind me or to evolve me. Yeah. Um,
0: I love so that. So that's
1: kind of how I creative process. It's either something that's designed to make me boost my mood, or inspire me, or help evolve me into a. a a better version of myself. You know, if you want something new, you got to do new shit, you know? um, I can't do the same thing forever. Yeah. You know, so.
0: Would you um, say uh, to budding artists, like a piece of advice that you would give them to stay in this industry for the long haul is to constantly make yourself uncomfortable and to just get a little bit out of your comfort zone to, to become a great artist and, you know, reach that level. Yes.
1: Yeah. You nailed that on the head right there, girl. I mean, that's uh, you know, if you're, you can try to be like somebody else and, and you should take inspiration from other yeah. people, you know, if you like are just going to go like make something that nobody else has ever made before, you know, just go make a bunch of weird clicks and pops because, you know, that's, you know, most music has been, we know most of the genres at this point, you yeah. know what I'm saying? We, we will continually to embark in new facets of everyone yeah. and they will merge and blend and create new sounds. And that's what I try to do oftentimes is to like, if I like, oh man, I love that song right there. Uh, I love the tempo and I kind of like that kick snare pattern. Let's go with that. Let's start with that. All right, now let me listen to another song. Hey, I like that guitar riff, but I don't want to do that guitar riff. Instead of going, I'm gonna go, you know, or something. You know, I'm just yeah. try to do something different. And before you know it, I get lost in the song and I'm creating my own melodies. And then it's a whole new thing by itself that nobody's ever done before. And that's how I've managed to accumulate, you know so many albums and things is because every time I sit down, I just get lost in it. You know, I don't try to consciously think, Hey, let me write this song about this to make it this kind of song.
0: I love that. That's such a good way to put it is like, I've heard it said like, it's like letting a kid loose on a playground. Kind of that's the whole mentality of not being too much of the editor, just let it flow. And then you can always go back and change it later. Oftentimes I don't change my songs later. I'm kind of like first first take I I, you know I like the organic kind of um, feel of that but um, you seem to be really comfortable with your creativity for sure so Uh, I I know this this conversation to be so inspiring for so many people and before we uh, close it out I would love to hear well we're definitely going to close it out with a Tom Waits cover but I would love to hear how you met Post Malone I need to hear this story
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, yeah Posty Um, my buddy we uh it was uh Bill street music fest 2018 uh, and this is like i can go on for a minute about and this and, and i get inspired telling these stories uh because it reminds me about the synchronicity of things and kind mm-hmm. of like the flow of things and you i don't know if you getting into the flow of things is important. That's how you create your best art. I think is when you're in the flow, you know, you're not, you don't have any preconceived, Oh, it's gotta be this kind of song. I think, but anyway, so 2018, um, the day before I had staged with Al Capone, I believe, and done a song with him. Al Capone, great Memphis rapper, artist, hey. legend, uh, one of my best friends in the musical world in Memphis uh and so I, I i was on the same stage where the next day the flaming lips were going to be playing cool. and i'm a huge flaming lips fan i kind of yeah. know wayne and jake a couple guys so uh laddie from q1075 gotta give laddie a shout out he calls me up the next day sunday when flaming lips were gonna be playing he's like hey man do you want to roll down there with me? He's like, I don't have a ticket or any credentials for you, but you were just on stage yesterday. And so I'm sure you could probably get in. And I'm like, yeah. all right. Um, so I just grabbed my pass. And if you know about the Bill Street Music Fest, their pass for each stage is different. You okay. know, you're on one stage, you have a silver pass another stage is gold. And the other stage is blah. And it's different for every day too. Like, if it's silver on this stage one day, they don't do another silver when the next day it's purple or something. So anyway, it's to keep people from just going from stage to stage and fans circulating and friends of families and going, Oh, Mm -hmm. let me just walk up and post Malone's dressing room. So, um, we go down there and I just walk through the gate. Like I know what I'm doing. Nobody says anything. So I'm in, we go down to the flaming lip stage and was supposed to introduce the flaming lips and he was like hey man I'll let you come out there and introduce them with me and i was like all right that's cool great appreciate that so we go out we introduce the flaming lips awesome they play the show toward the end wayne from the flaming lips says on the microphone he says hey i want to play a couple more guys because i want to go down and watch posty play and uh we could hear post malone playing already uh-huh. on another stage so he comes off stage and i'm like hey man do you really want to go watch post malone play And I had never I had heard one Post Malone song (laughs) that day. And it and it was that day was the same day that his album Beer Bongs and Bentley's had been out for one week. Mm. And it broke the Beatles record for Mm. whatever. Or he broke some Beatles record. I forget what it was. Anyway. Yeah.
0: Um
1: so we hop on a golf cart. We, we start walking the down lips? there,
0: huh? It was you, from Wayne, from the Flaming Lips, together. It was me,
1: Wayne, from the Flaming Lips. Laddie had already left, um which he kicks himself in the arse. But yeah. I got to meet Post Malone later, and I'll tell you that story if you want. But, um, so it was me, Wayne, Wayne's wife, Katie, uh and two of her friends, and we start walking down the little walkway along the river toward the post Malone stage. And remember, we only had passes for the stage. We were just on. Oh yeah. And, uh, this lady, one of like the worker people at the festival goes by us on a six person golf cart. And I was just like, Hey, can we get a ride? And she stops. And so we walk up and I hop on the front seat. They all get in and it was a six person. So the four of them got on the back And uh, I was like, she was like, where are you going? And I said, down to watch Post Malone play. I'm Muck Sticky and this is Wayne, this is Flaming Lips. She's like, I know who y'all are. And I was was like, well, cool. Can you, uh, and Wayne said, can you take us past the security guard? Because we tried to come down here earlier and they wouldn't let us through the gate. The guy at the gate right there wouldn't let us through. And she was like, yeah, no problem. So we sail right past that guy. We go up to the side of the stage. There's another security guard coming down the steps with his flashlight going, nope, turn around, turn around, turn around. You're not coming up here. And I step off and look at him, and it's this guy named Ted Sexy, who is one of my security guards for a decade at all of my shows forever. And he's like, Oh Mark, what's up, bro? Yeah, come on, come on. So brings us all up on the side of the stage. We watch the rest of the show. And Wayne says, Hey, do you think we can go meet him? I asked Ted. And Ted's like, Yeah, come on. So we go back around to his trailer, knocks on it, says, Hey, I got these, I got Muck Sticky and Wayne from the front of Lips. They want to come up and meet you. We go up in his trailer. It's literally post, his mom, four or five of his friends. And uh we all just start shooting the shit, hanging out. And while I wasn't looking, Wayne and Katie and their two friends left. Oh, because I was in the conversation with Post. I sat, sat down and got in a conversation with him, and we started playing Hank Williams' song, uh,
0: "What <laughs> uh, uh,
1: Lonesome Whistle." And uh, so we're jamming, sitting there jamming "Lonesome Whistle." Uh, Luke Combs comes in because he was playing that night too. Comes in, wants to meet Post, says hi. Um, he leaves, and then so it's now it's just me, Post, four of his friends, and his mom and he's like, Hey man, we'll come back to the bus. We're all going to go play video games and stuff. And I was like, okay, sure. So I go back to the bus, hang out. I was literally there to like five o'clock in the morning, hanging out with him and all his buddies on the bus. And we exchanged numbers, kept in contact. And then I've gone to see him numerous times. Let's see. Um, the next time I saw him was at Mempo Fest, um, mm-hmm. hung out all night that night. Then I went to Bonnaroo uh, and man, that was a wild experience hanging out with Post Malone at Bonnaroo, watching from side of the stage. Uh, One of the coolest experiences ever, but um, then I, I've hung out like at least a, about a half a dozen more cool. shows. We he seems we, we text like an every now and then. He's a cool guy. Real cool yeah, guy. Yeah,
0: he seems very humble in, in a lot of the interviews I've watched with him. And I love that you met him like when you had you had heard one song of his, like the day you met him. You just didn't really even like know his name. Yeah, it was well.
1: there was no pretentious like, oh, this guy is a superstar. And I'm not really that way with a lot of people anyway. Like I was with Beck the mm-hmm. couple of times I've gotten to meet Beck just because I've been so fanatic about him since I was a teenager. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's like the one dude I'm starstruck by. You know. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's, and that was really the thing that I dug about him, about post is his. He's just such a genuinely nice guy. Like
0: yeah,
1: he's so friendly. He's so nice and friendly it's hard not to like the dude. If you think to yourself, I don't like that kind of music or, you know, his gold teeth or whatever your preconceived things about people. A lot of people judge books by the cover, you know, but that dude right there has treated me with more kindness and respect than 90% of the other artists that are my friends in Memphis. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. And not to discredit them, but he is just genuinely that gracious of a dude he will go out of his way to make sure and like we even got like a little band together called post sticky mcclombie jam shit you know uh but (laughs) he's he's just he's a beautiful soul man i i i gotta give him major props and credits for just being you know well he deserves all of the success he has because he's such a great guy uh i love to hear
0: that Cause I'm a fan, I'm a fan of the music for sure. And his songwriting style and everything. I love that. um, You know, y'all are friends and everything. So um, before I forget, I just want to mention that for our listeners, I'm going to link your movie Um, is Muscadine Wine. Is that the right title? Is that one available online? Cause I want to link that.
1: No, that's not available. That was our first film we did. And it was, uh, we did it back in the, this was before like HD really got, Okay. Or, got really got huge, so it wasn't show shot like twelve eighty. So we just never fully did. It. It's kind of like our underground first movie we made. That okay. You have to have bought one of the two hundred DVDs that we printed. <laughs> oh, okay. On,
0: so. All right. Well, I'll I'll link the Zebo Newton on Amazon Prime below. Zebo, yeah, you can
1: watch Zebo on Amazon for sure.
0: That's so cool. And um, I, for every guest, I like to create a curated curated uh Spotify playlist for like your music history. Do you already have one that you, oh, cool. or do you have one that you would recommend? Uh,
1: there's, there's a couple of them on Spotify. I, I, I could probably look it up
0: there. Um, I can look it up. Back there's, a pretty you it.
1: Ob- there's a pretty obvious one on there that I think it's like essential Sticky or something like that. And it's got most, it's mostly all my stuff. So, okay. Cool. Um, but if you want to just make one yourself, you can, I don't know what songs, you know, I've just, there's hundreds, you know, and yeah. that's the thing about my sticky music. And that I've always tried to do like Beck yeah. is make a lot of different kinds of music. You know, uh, I don't just stick to one genre. So if you don't like my rap songs, you might like my acoustic songs or my rock and roll songs, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I, I Feel like as an artist, we should explore other things than just what we sometimes a lot of artists pigeons hold those into something that's it's, it's you know, I can only do this, I love this music way more over here, but I can only do this because mm-hmm. that's what I'm known for, or whatever, blah blah blah. Right, and it's come from people telling me, fans, and you know, especially telling me. I don't like your, I like your old stuff. Why don't you make some more stuff like your old stuff? And I'm like, that's what the old stuff is there for, because that's who I was then. What I'm making now is an expression of who I am now. We grow through life. Some of us do, some of us don't, Yeah. a lot of us grow through life. And so I am choosing to express who I am now, as opposed to being stuck in making the same kind of thing that I made when I was 22.
0: I love that. You said that. Cause I sometimes feel the pressure like to, to stick within a box for a certain period of my, my career, just to be able to be marketable. But I feel like I'm the same with like you. I don't like to be genre genre a bull. You know what I mean? Like I'm I, just the great sassy brand yeah. and you're just the muck sticky brand. Like that's just, you're like all over with your sounds, which is your brand you know, and I I I, love that.
1: You are too. And that's what I, I respect about you is you're, uh, uh, you, you have your own sound and bring it to whatever you do. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like if I hear your voice, I know it's your voice, you know, no matter what kind of song you're singing. Yeah, And so, uh, that's, something I I really admire and respect in you is your ability to maintain your voice. I read something earlier. There's uh, who was it that said, it was some famous artist from, but it was Miles Davis. Mm. Uh, It takes a really long time to find out how you sound or something like that. that. And if you find your sound early, you know, Yeah, I think you, uh, you latch on to something special because <laughs> yeah. you you don't it you don't you're not always just trying to figure it out and like if you, you like i said you keep sound through whatever it is and it may shift just a little bit but it's still undeniably you mm-hmm. you know and uh so i have lots of love and, and respect for you in the same sense you know well, I, appreciate I try you. to keep the same thing as my sound through whatever i do you know
0: so. well you are definitely um a very inspiring artist for sure. And just that you keep evolving and, um, just keep going. I love that. Um, you know, you just, you keep, um, staying authentic, you know, no matter what. So I know our listeners I'm are going absolutely, absolutely love, uh, this conversation with you. I really appreciate your time and, um, yeah. let's get it out. Let's do it. Let's end it out with a Tom Waits song.
1: Okay. For sure. Uh, this is like, uh, i don't know why this i mean so many of his songs speak to me but i just love playing this song the lyrics are steered and dark and creepy and i'm not necessarily a dark and creepy kind of <laughs> artist but i still let I, that's part of what i'm trying to what i mean by saying is i'm evolving i'm trying to explore other sides of myself that i haven't ever explored before. Ooh, so, okay i love it this song uh can you hear it okay? Yeah, where you play the Tarantella, the hounds will start to roar, the boys will go to hell and then the cube and hit the floor. They drive along the pipeline They tango to the sore. They take apart their nightmares And they leave them by the door Let me fall out of the window With confetti in my hair Deal out jacks of on a blanket by the stairs I tell you all my secrets But lie about my past So send me off to bed forevermore Should they play my theme song? I guess daisies will have to do. Just give me two New Orleans and paint shadows on the pews. Turn to spit on that pig and kick the drum and let me down. Put my clarinet beneath your bed till I get back in town. And let me fall out of the window with confetti in my hair. out Jackson but on blanket by the stairs I tell you all my secrets but I lie about my past so send me off to bed forevermore make sure she's all in calico and the color of a doll Wave the bag on the Cadillac day and a skillet on the wall come you switch or hold your breath till the sun goes down Write my name on the hood And send me off to another town Just let me fall out of the window With confetti in my hair. Deal out Jack bed on a blanket by the stairs I tell you all my secrets But I lie by my past So send me off to bed forevermore you send me off to bed forevermore will you send me off to bed forevermore
0: well that's a wrap y'all to see our full conversation you can go to youtube.com forward slash grace ask you You can also go to the Grace Ask You Spotify page to enjoy a fully curated playlist for each week's episode. And y'all, don't be scared to slide on into my DMs on Instagram with any questions, comments, or insights you'd like to share. Thanks for listening to Daring to Suck. I'll see y'all next Monday for another fresh episode.